<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. But it's funny because, like, I, um, like I'm like i a spiritual person, and so I believe God prepares you for something more. And I had an odd situation at the law firm. And I make, I'm working at a law firm who has the largest footprint of any law firm in the United States and is a huge international law firm. And I got a phone call one day coming into the office on a Sunday, as usual, where someone leaves me a voicemail telling me they're going to rape me. And I'm a, I'm a litigator, and I am just, like, scared out of my wit. And I had no idea why I got the phone call. The LAPD ended up investigating it, and it turned out to be a prank call from some high school kid whose friend said he put him up to it. Like, and they got to the basis of it, that it was just a random dial, and they thought they just thought it was funny or something. But for those, I'd say that week of time and going through that, and why they did their investigation and stuff, it was really scary. But I just knew something I was being prepared for something more so when I get like inappropriate things on Twitter or whatnot I think it's safe because it's like I already been down that path over. I can't help it Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages how's it going? My name is Jay Scott Smith and this is the 59th episode episode 59 of the People's Podcast, this is JSC Radio. How the hell's everyone doing on this snowy Friday night here in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia? Hope all y'all are doing all right as we head into this weekend. Boy, I, I thought taking a week off and kind of getting a little room to breathe might be able to not be as heavy as we're running down to the final couple of original episodes of the year 2017, but, uh, well, as you heard in the intro, we got to talk about something serious before we get into a couple of fun things on the way out the door, but first things first, man, got to remind y'all, I want to thank each and every one of you who've been checking in on the show on jscottsmith.com, the mothership, go to jscottsmith.com 
for all your JSC radio needs, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at J Scott Smith. That's J A Y S C O two T's Smith. J Scott Smith on Twitter. J Scott Smith on Instagram. You can follow the show, of course, at JSC Radio on Twitter as well. So be sure to get at me. I'm also real J Scott Smith on Facebook. Don't be falling for those cheap imitations. If you don't see the damn blue check mark, you're in the wrong damn place. I want to thank my man Doc Gillingsworth, of course pumping in the beats here plus my man awesome jones be sure to support illingsworth go to illingsworks.com or you can hit him up on bandcamp to check out all his music that's bandcamp.com slash illingsworth get on soundcloud check out my man awesome jones that's soundcloud.com slash awesome jones spelled o-s-s-i-m jones hmm so how do i even do this i just did a show two weeks ago on ostensibly the Me Too movement, but just overall sexual harassment pretty much everywhere. And it's been all over the place. It's been, you you, you name it. Russell Simmons is like the latest end up on that Summer Jam screen. It's like, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Every few days is a different fresh hell unleashed on us. And again, I wasn't planning on talking about this. The the stuff I was going to get into, I'm going to get into in the second half of the show, a lot more sportsy, a lot more fun. Of course, we're heading toward Christmas. You heard there in the intro, that voice sounding familiar to you, that was from the interview that I did with Adrian Lawrence back on October 20th, 2016. So a little more than a year ago. At the time, she was working for ESPN, and she was one of the... Rising stars at the network. She came on here. She's a friend of mine, because full disclosure. Thankfully, this show, it has a level of journalistic integrity, but I don't have to get up here and fake like I'm, quote, objective, because I'm not in this case. Adrian's a friend of mine. She's a good friend of mine. I consider her a good friend of mine. She's a wonderful person. At the time, she was a rising star at ESPN. She told her incredible story of how she went from being a high-powered lawyer who pretty much worked for everything she got to take a chance on a fellowship that landed her at ESPN, flew her across the country one more time to go to ESPN, and she immediately is, like, front-facing. Like, there, there. Like, really there. She's a rookie to the business, and she's getting her feet wet at the biggest sports network on the planet. And she, uh, she became a pretty hot commodity. Former attorney with the legal chops and the ability to handle being a TV anchor. She seemed like she was on the way up. At the point in time I talked to her, she was anchoring Sports Center. I don't mean like I'm not talking about like on a like a dumb on a dummy demo reel. I'm talking about she's anchoring flipping Sports Center. And she's on ESPN News. And she's doing appearances on ESPN's TV shows. With her legal expertise, she became a commodity there. She came on this show and talked about it. And it was great. She's an inspiration to so many young women and young girls that it's not even funny. And then just strangely, I started to notice one day she started disappearing more and more and more and more and more. Until she had been essentially relegated to working ESPN News late at night and early in the morning. Like, she had just gotten buried, busted down, and then she left. She since left ESPN. She does 
work for EA Sports now. And she's back in Cali, her native California. And in the Boston Globe yesterday, comes out that Adrian filed suit against ESPN back during the summer because she was being sexually harassed, as were a myriad of other women at ESPN. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what I knew and what I didn't know. I'll only say that I had an idea that this was coming. Obviously, out of respect for her, said nothing. But here's the thing. What Adrian went through, as I mentioned in episode 58, is unfortunately par for the course. I said it during the damn show that I've got stories, not just from Adrian. I've gotten stories from multitudes of women working in all different markets and all different kinds of offices around the country. They can tell you at least two to three, maybe four stories on the low end of how they've been harassed or propositioned or cornered by men, especially working in this industry. And I'm not just talking about like other reporters or bosses. I'm talking about being confronted by photographers, by viewers, by the help, by janitors, you name it. This ain't this ain't limited to just dudes in suits. Adrian's story from the Boston Globe, it's it's pretty rough. Quote, ESPN has failed to address its deeply ingrained culture of sexism and hostile treatment of women. That was the quote that she gave for the Boston Globe. But there, there were many other stories. And ESPN does not look good in this piece. Go to thebostonglobe.com, check it out. Lawrence, check that. Adrian has accused John Buchagross, the longtime sports center anchor, hockey guy, Bucci Main, to a lot of you, a lot of you guys who watch Sports Center. She has essentially accused him or outed him, depending on your situation, how you really want to see this, for sending unsolicited shirtless photographs of himself to her while calling her such things as doll face. Hashtag dream girl and hashtag long legs in messages from 2016. Adrian said that she tried to remain cordial in the messages, but at one point responded, quote, and I can hear this in her voice. You need to wear clothes, sir. That's all there needs to be said. When rumors started to spread that the two were in a relationship, Lawrence repeatedly complained to company officials and was advised by supervisors to drop the matter according to the complaint. Again, Adrian's an attorney. Of all the people you want to F around with, you don't want to mess around with an attorney who knows her way around these things. Adrian said the ESPN retaliated against her by reducing her on-air shifts. Remember, I mentioned that she went from being all over the place. She was on everybody's show. She was on Jamel and Michael's show before they ended up on SportsCenter. She was everywhere, and then she was suddenly gone. Lawrence said ESPN retaliated against her by reducing her on-air shifts and ultimately denying her the permanent position. The other fellow, a man, received a job offer. The Globe interviewed three former employees who Adriana confided in at the time about her treatment and confirmed her account. Buchagross, who's roughly two decades older than Adrian, acknowledged sending the photos but denied starting any rumors that the two were in a relationship. And ESPN, who... Amidst all those layoffs, that that bloody, bloody Thursday, the day of the NFL draft, or was it the day? Of, yeah, 
It was the day before the NFL draft. It was that bloody Wednesday during the NFL draft here in Philadelphia where I'm there at the draft and dudes from ESPN are frantically like afraid to check their phones because they thought that they were going to be the next one on the chopping block. Yet Buchagross, who was rumored to be gone, not only did he not leave, they made a hell of an effort to keep him. And ESPN has gotten behind him, putting out statements saying that that Adrian's pretty much her claim is without merit. And then going the extra mile of posting some of the text messages. Not all of them, some of them. A few of them creatively edited to make it look like this was just a mutual flirty little fling or something that they were having. And that's just dirty. It's dirty. And it's probably not the best move to make when you're in a day and age like right now. Like the second half of this year has basically, it's basically been like the plague picking off perverts left and right. Picking off bad dudes. Dudes who mistreat women, put their hands on women, rape women. My God. Adrian went through some some really messed up shit at ESPN. I can say that. She did. To have this come out and to have it be someone that I consider a legitimate friend who's a genuinely good person that Adrian is, it's it's wrong. And for ESPN to do that to her, to essentially try to almost slut shame her, that's that's bullshit. That's wrong. And I'm gonna call it and tell it like it is here, like I always do. This is a weird time, man. Weird this is weird. We're ten days off of Christmas. There's snow on the ground here in Philadelphia. There's snow on the ground back home in Detroit. I got Christmas decorations up here in the studio. I got the tree up. I've got, I'm getting Christmas shopping done. But I'm just not in the most festive of moods. And this this is part of the reason why. What the hell's going on out here? Adrian, pretty much her dream seemingly was realized at ESPN and then it went south because people A, couldn't just simply be professional and B, it's tough to find companies to have your back. And I'm not just simply picking on ESPN. That's happening everywhere. It's happening in public radio. It's happening in, in, in television. It's happening in commercial radio. It's happening in business. It's happening in politics. It's happening every damn where. Everywhere. Just like I expressed in the previous episode, and I promise I'm going to leave this at that, at least until we get back probably into January and this thing continues. Is it too much to ask that we as men, or not overgrown children like we tend to be, that we as men try to get it? I continue to see the stupid shit like... With all these sexual harassment claims, should workplaces institute dress codes for women in order to prevent such things from happening? Now think about this this logic here. Women are coming forward after being harassed and harangued for years by men. Yet, oddly, there are dudes suggesting that women should have to alter their dress. As you know, because apparently if a woman wears a... If she wears something form-fitting at work, a man just can't help but whip out his penis in front of her. Never mind that, of course, there are young girls who are just wearing regular sweat sweatsuits that have pervy old men trying to grope and molest them. 
They are grown women who are in college college students wearing pajamas who get harassed by grown men. There are women who are wearing construction. You know, I've seen this. Like women at construction sites. You've seen like road construction where there might be a woman in a hard hat and a reflective vest holding a stop sign or a yield sign or a go sign. I've seen those women get catcalled by dudes. The hell out of here with that. What's wrong with you people? I feel for Adrian. I've had a chance to talk to her. And she's doing just fine. She's a fighter. That's what she is. That's what she does. Got her back. This is an odd day. I had a really good friend of mine who she's she's out here as essentially a victim. And then I also know somebody who just got fired for his improper behavior. Jesus Christ. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut this off right here. But before I go, when I talked to Adrian in 2016, she was telling me about, just almost like in passing, she tells me that of all things, she was a part-time like rape and sexual assault counselor. Just something that happened to come up in the midst of the conversation. And here's Adrian explaining how it came about and why she did what she did. I did that for about two or three years during law school. Uh, in part because I didn't want—I didn't say no to anything because I just—I love life experience and like doing things, and I love helping people. And so I saw this need and this opportunity to be able to be there for women. And so I was an informal counselor, which is the ones that get the phone calls and the emails that you respond to, and you kind of explain to people what their options are and and try to move them in the right direction of what they should do, but you don't give them the answer because they have to be able to own whatever decision that they make and know and feel that it's their own because they're already in situations where they feel pressured and controlled and so this is a way of giving them the control back by giving them the options and the support to make the decisions that they need to make. My name is Jay Scott Smith and coming up after the break, we finally will get over to the sportsy end of it. We're going to have some fun back into this show. We kind of need it because we got one more original episode of the year we got a best of maybe two of them coming during new year's week and then it's off to 2018 but first things first man my name is jay scott smith and this is the 59th episode of the people's podcast this is jsc radio and we'll be back after this check it out this is jsc radio Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. 
You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. 4-0 Tigers lead. It is a no-hit bid for Morris. He has one to go in the ninth inning. And the White Sox fans are still on their feet here at the Soul Ballpark. Outfield deep to left on Kittle. The 1-1 delivery on the way. Kittle swings and beats a ground foul down past third. One ball, two strikes. Morris ahead of the hitter. Stegman back to first base. Bergman playing very wide of the bag on him. Target the cap by Morris. Working up the set position now. He goes to his set. Kittle waits. Here it comes. He him out and Morris has a no hitter. Lance Parrish goes out and grabs him and the Tigers get a no hit performance for the first time since 1958 when Jim Bunning did it. Jack Morris, the no hit hero, surrounded by his teammates in the ninth inning Chicago. No runs, no hits, no errors, one man left and the final score, Detroit 4, Chicago nothing. This is episode 59 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. J. Scott Smith here. Nothing like hearing the wonderful tones of the great Ernie Harwell calling the Jack Morris no-hitter from April 1984. Damn near, what was it, 33 and a half years ago? Almost 34 years ago. I'll tell you why you're hearing that in a second, but first, I want to thank each and every one of y'all who checks in on the SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio. If you are on iTunes, thank you. Damn it, thank you. Of course, remember, just search JSC Radio and hit that subscribe button, and you ain't got to do a damn thing. Every single time there's a new episode, boom, it's right there. You ain't got to do nothing else. That also goes for those of you on Google Play, my friends on Audio Boom. Thank you very much. And of course, Stitcher Radio. Where else are you going to go? want to shout out my man Doc Illingsworth for dropping this ridiculous beat. I can't get in here and do like Black Thought did on Hot 97 where he basically short-circuited Funkmaster Flex's brain. And my God, wasn't that something else? I could do a whole podcast on that freestyle. Who knows? Maybe I will at some point. But at any rate, thank you. Damn it, thank you. Remember to follow me on Twitter at JScottSmith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at JSC Radio. Getting back into a little bit more fun. It's been kind of heavy around here. It's been heavy for most of this year, but it's been heavy the last couple of months. But something cool happened amongst all the BS, amid all the driftwood, all the silly shit. Something cool happened last weekend. No, it wasn't that Detroit Lion game where they just narrowly avoided losing to a deadbeat Tampa Bay Buccaneer team that committed five turnovers and did everything they could to lose, and yet the Lions needed a late field goal to steal a win from a bad team. God, I want to see them miss the playoffs so badly. Anyhow, 
No, it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with what you heard in the intro. And what you heard there in the intro was Jack Morris, Hall of Fame pitcher. Jack damn Morris. Number 47 of the Detroit Tigers. Selected by a special veterans committee to go into the Hall of Fame next year, 2018. Not to be outdone, not only is Jack Morris going into the Hall of Fame, this man is also going into the Hall of Fame. Here's the pitch, he swings, there's a draft to left, it's deep, it is way back and it is gone! A two-run over by Trammell, a two-nothing lead for the Tigers in the first inning. Whitaker scores, here comes Trammell behind him to touch the plate, the Tigers lead two-nothing. Shaw ready, kicks and deals, here's a swing, and there's another drive to left, it's deep, and this one is gone, the second home run by Travel, and the Tigers now lead it 4-1, Whitaker scores, here comes Travel running home his second consecutive home run. What a series it's been for Alan Travel. They're standing here. They want Trammell to come out and take a curtain call. There he is. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Alan Trammell. Number three for your Detroit Tigers. Number one in your hearts. Alan Trammell, the 1984 World Series MVP. Alan Trammell. The Alan Trammell who spent the entire bulk of his 20-year career with the Detroit Tigers. Alan Trammell. The six-time All-Star. Alan Trammell with his career. His career numbers dictated he should have been in the Hall of Fame a while ago. Did he have the magnificent seasons that, say, Cal Ripken did? No. Was he like Ozzie Smith when you look at some of those great shortstops in the 80s? No. But he was consistent. And he was he, that was that was the key, was his consistency. He was a career 285 hitter over 20 seasons. He had 185 home runs, drove in 1,000 runs. It's like you look at, I mean, those, of course, obviously you look at the old school numbers, but if we want to get really particular about it, yes, let's go look at his career war, his career war of 70.4. The guy should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. He and Jack Morris should have been in the Hall of Fame. A long time ago. And with him going into the Hall of Fame, finally, this weird and selectively enforced rule that the Tigers have, where a player doesn't get his number retired until he goes into the Hall of Fame, despite, you know, Willie Horton not being in the Hall of Fame, yet the number 23 is retired. A player not getting his number retired until he goes to the Hall of Fame. Finally, Alan Trammell's number three, which until a couple days ago, was being held by Ian Kinsler, but he was shipped off to the California Angels. Alan Trammell's number three and Morris's number 47 go up on the wall at Comerica Park. The problem, number one, is still out there. That number one does not belong to Jose Iglesias. That number one belongs to Lou Whitaker. Lou Whitaker was Alan Trammell's tag team partner in Detroit. He played his entire career with the Tigers. Over at second base. Lou Whitaker 
needs to go up on that wall. The Tigers announced they will retire Jack Morris's number and Alan Trammell's number. And if they really want to do the right thing, because the Tigers are about to be basura for the foreseeable future, that's probably going to be one of the few sellouts you get this coming season. If they want this team and they want that game to mean something, they want that gesture to mean something, some point during this season, they have to announce that they're retiring Whitaker's number with Trammell. They have to. Trammell has already made it clear he wanted to go into the Hall of Fame with him. Do it. Just do it. It's wild to think that the Tigers, one of the charter franchises of the American League, been around since 1901. The Tigers have not had a player go into the Hall of Fame, a player who actually spent the majority of his career go into the Hall of Fame since Al Kaline in 1980. That was also the last time a Detroit Tiger was legit voted into the Hall of Fame, was Al Kaline in 1980. Obviously, this generation has at least, I think, at least two, given two guys that are going to go into the Hall of Fame as Tigers. That's Justin Verlander and Miguel Cabrera. That That's not even up for debate. So the Tigers are going to have Hall of Famers, but it had been a long time. The last... I'd say the last Tiger to have gotten into the Hall of Fame that I can think of that was high profile was Sparky Anderson, and he went in as a Cincinnati Red. But yeah, George Kell and Al Kaline went in the early 80s, and it's still weird that this arbitrary thing with them, and they don't retire numbers. I don't get that. How do you not retire a number? Especially if it's a Hall of Famer. Hank Greenberg's number didn't get retired until 1983. He'd been out of the league like 30 years. He'd long since been in the Hall of Fame. But it took forever for Hank Greenberg's number to go up into the rafters. It was just weird, man. Come on now, Tigers, you got to get your ass off your shoulders here. Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell both should go up. Whitaker should be in the Hall of Fame. That's not on the Tigers. That's on the committee of how somehow you couldn't see a way to get Lou Whitaker onto that ballot. Because he's a Hall of Fame second baseman. Just like Trammell's a Hall of Fame shortstop. Just like Jack Morris, who spent the majority of his career in Detroit. Now, unlike Whitaker and Trammell, he did end up leaving and had an amazingly masterful season with the Minnesota Twins in 1991, including pitching 10 innings in Game 7 of the 1991 World Series. Getting the win and getting his second world title. He ended up getting another one with the Toronto Blue Jays. But Jack goes in as a Tiger. Trammell goes in as a Tiger. Future, yeah, you're going you're gonna to see Verlander go in as a Tiger. Cabrera will go in as a Tiger. Speaking of Justin Verlander, that day in 1984 when Morris threw the no-hitter in Chicago, that will be the last time a Tiger would throw a no-hitter until 2007 when Verlander did it. And then Verlander later did it again. In fact, Verlander and Morris have thrown the only Tigers no-hitters since 1958. You better put that man in that damn Hall of Fame. I don't know what the hell took so long with him. There was a point I didn't even realize he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. I just assumed he was. But now they have this new committee that kind of gives a second or even a third shot to some of these guys that should have been in the Hall of Fame but were left out either due to negligence or retaliation from a bitter writer or whatever the case may be. 
I'm here for it. And it's cool to, to have seen that there was a whole day dedicated to two guys I grew up on. Because the 1984 Tigers were the team that got me into baseball. I was only five years old, but I remember watching them win. That's the first real sports memory of my life. Where the Tigers winning it in 1984. And that 84 Tiger team. The, the best single season in the franchise's 116 year history. Did not have one player in the Hall of Fame. Not one. You don't tell me that a 104 win team. From a franchise that spent most of the 1980s in or near first place. They had the most wins of any team in the majors during the 1980s. You mean to tell me nobody who played on that team a majority of the time was Hall of Fame worthy? You mean to tell me nobody on that team was worthy of having their jersey retired? I can argue that there were four guys on that team at least who should have had their damn jersey retired. Not counting Sparky Anderson who did. Got Trammell, there's one. Got Morris, there's two. Whitaker, three. Kirk Gibson is number four. When they retired that number for Willie Horton, yeah, Willie Horton has a special place in the hearts and minds of the city of Detroit and of Tiger fans. Yes, I'm going full Detroit here. I ain't had a chance to really just get loose like this, so you're going to have to bear with me. Well, this is my podcast, so you're obviously bearing with me, or else you wouldn't be listening to the damn thing. This ain't a regular radio show. This is my podcast. You subscribe to it. You knew what you were getting yourself into. Anyway. Willie Horton had a special place in Detroit during 1968, the 1968 Tigers. I get that. He was not a Hall of Fame player. You could argue that Kirk Gibson has just as much of a claim to that number 23. Plus, he just went into a Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, because some bitch was a great college football player. That's often forgotten, too. So, if nothing else, you can at least put Gibby's name underneath Horton at number 23. You can put two guys in there. Why not? I'd argue Gibby deserves it a little bit more than Willie Horton does anyway. And yes, I'm showing bias toward the team I actually saw as opposed to the team I actually heard about. But there is a lot of weird deference given to that 1968 team and not enough given to the 84 team. And maybe it's about time that finally starts to happen before we start losing some of these guys. We already lost Dave Bergman. We already lost Aurelio Lopez. You don't want to lose too many more. Sparky's gone. But at least he got his due while he was alive. You don't want to lose him anymore, these guys. They got to get right. Another team that's got to get right, or at least starting to get right, are the Detroit Pistons. As they somehow, after losing seven in a row, they've won back-to-back games. They beat Atlanta. Just beat the Pacers. All right. But they were in an ugly stretch. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Earlier this week. And my man Stan Van Gundy, his approach to running this team is not one I fully agree with because he still seems to think the Pistons could actually win and common sense says no they can't they started 14 and 6 and then they lost 7 in a row they got two backs so they're 16 13 but still eh, not very good they're all right they're all right for them they're all right they've made it almost 30 games and they're not they're not going to be below 500 so that's progress but they're not going to win anything. They're going to be in purgatory. They are the basketball C-, minus, as I like to say. Well, the one thing I can say that's A-plus is Stan Van Gundy's usage of colorful language. I preface this by going back a couple of seasons to when the team was in San Antonio trying to make one final stand to keep San Antonio from tipping in a last-second shot. The cameras at Fox Sports Detroit that normally get in the huddle as the coach is calling out the play and letting them know the strategy and all that. 
usually it's pretty benign. This particular night, no, it wasn't benign at all. I think the best part of that is George Blaha just trying to completely no-sell that F-bomb that he dropped. Like, he just totally no-sold it. Even though you can hear the laugh in the background, he completely no-sells this thing like the damn pro he is. You gotta love George Blaha. Gotta love it. Count that baby in a foul. Damn right, yes. You gotta love you. You gotta love counting that baby in a damn foul. That's what George Blaha brings to your ass. He's a Detroit original. Original. But after the Pistons' seventh consecutive loss, when things were getting ugly, ugly, ugly down at Little Caesars Arena, which still has yet to sell out, the Golden State Warriors came in there and they couldn't pack that building. That is absurd. But Stan Van Gundy was asked about the team's free throw shooting because of the, of the numerous things they don't do right, free throw shooting is something they really have a difficult time with. And yeah, kind of like Michigan State's basketball team, it's the same thing. But Stan Van Gundy decided he was just going to, you know, tell it like it is when he gets asked a simple question about what do you think your team can do to fix its free throw shooting issues. Stan offered some very sage advice. Stan, how do you rectify the free throw shooting? Well, I don't know. I mean, guys have to make them. We shot free throws well most of the year. I mean, what do you mean? How do you rectify it? Make the fucking free throw. So, Stan, uh, I might have missed that. What exactly is it that you said that they need to do? Make the fucking free throw. Oh, yes, that's what I thought you said. Okay, yeah, that's a fine. But anyhow, you know, we live in this very interesting day and age where people feel emboldened to be as disrespectful as they want to be. You know, kind of like this goober reporter out in San Diego who asked a really asinine, stupid question of Mark D'Antonio. Like, even professional reporters are jackasses these days. But every so often, a coach drops a gem on them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a damn gem. And if I'm the reporter who asked that question, I'm actually proud of the response because you don't get too many raw answers like that, but you get them from a guy like Stan Van Gundy who does not hesitate to bring that heat for your punk ass. And that's what he did. And it was glorious like Bobby Roode. But man, listen. Pistons need to get it back together. I'm trying to stay away from that football team of ours, at least for a week. I'm holding off until maybe after Christmas. They play a game next Sunday. or Yeah, it is next Sunday. They play a game tomorrow, too, against the, against the Bears. And I've still maintained they're going to lose a game to the Bears. It might just be tomorrow, the way this thing's looking. But I'm trying to, to avoid talking about them in earnest. And then I find out Aaron Rodgers is suddenly coming back. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it's like, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to get through Christmas. We're going to try to make it into 2018 with just a touch of my blood pressure left. My goodness. And speaking of 2018, coming up, and I'm already calling it a few weeks out, first show of 2018, which will likely be episode 61. 61. 
Jasmine Duke makes her return to the show. It's becoming a yearly thing in January. Jasmine Duke makes her return to the show, but she's not coming alone. She's here to promote her book, and she's bringing her pops with her. The great Aaron Duke, I had a chance to talk to them recently. She's going to be back on the show. She's bringing her dad. She has her book called I'm Black, and I Have a Dad. It's on Amazon right now. Go check that shit out. I'm about to head out of here, though, because it's late. It's Friday night. I need some sleep because I got JSC TV to do tomorrow on RVN TV, 12 noon. Get your ass online and check it out. My name is Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different and always have your pet spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. This was episode 59 coming up next week before we head out for Christmas. It's episode 60. 60, damn it. I made it to 60 episodes. One other thing, I want to thank everybody from Spaces Productions. I want to thank Jerry Williams. I want to thank Trine Nuri. Everybody who came out to the podcasting 101 seminar that the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists, to which I am the vice president of broadcast, hosted last week. It was awesome. It was wonderful. Thank you once again. I will see your ass likely on Tuesday with the 60th episode of JSC Radio. I'll see your ass next week. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.